0: relationship roadmap we're going through the book of Genesis together and we believe that as we grow in our relationship with God we're going to grow in our relationships with our friends our relatives associates neighbors and co-workers God is relational, and we want to draw close in our relationships during this time. And as we go through the book of Genesis, uh, we'll be starting our Christmas series in December, Lord willing. But as we're wrapping up the book of Genesis, I encourage you to spend time in God's Word during the week. And as you approach God, really remember the goal into getting into Scripture is to meet God. It's to meet God there. It's great to have truth. It's great to have practical uh, things we can live out. It's great to have knowledge. But the goal of Scripture is that we meet with God and go deep with the Lord. And that's our goal as we go through Scripture together. Genesis chapter 37, the theme tonight is crushed dreams. Crushed dreams. God is greater than crushed dreams. We have a God who will walk with us. He's there before, during, and after crushed dreams, and God is faithful. We're going to see that tonight. He is also a healer. And we have so much to give God thanks for. Anyone looking forward to Thursday? Yeah, yeah. How about best pie? Apple pie? What do you think? Maybe? A couple of apple pies? How about pumpkin? A lot of pumpkin? Pecan? Anyone? All right, yeah, personal favorite with ice cream. But uh, more than the food uh, and the turkey and everything else, uh, we have an opportunity to give God thanks. God has given us so much. Think about who God is, how generous he is, how much God has given to us, not just now, but over our lives. And uh, we want to give God thanks with all of our heart. We've come to give him thanks and give him praise. And at the end of this message, uh, we're going to have a short guided time of prayer uh, before our final song. Uh, Looking forward to that and giving God thanks together. All right, Genesis chapter 37. I spoke long enough to give you time to find it on your phone or if you brought a Bible. Uh, We always have Bibles. We'd love to give you a Bible as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, thank you, Lord, how you communicate to us. Father, uh, we are so grateful. We don't take one blessing for granted. God, you pour out more and more in your love, and your generosity, your word, our relationships. And Father, we're all growing. We're all learning. We all want to move forward in our faith. We want to uh, live it out together. And God, uh, sometimes relationships are painful. And we need your healing touch tonight. Remind us of your goodness and your faithfulness. And we'll give you the praise as you heal and strengthen and we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. God gives dreams. God is good, and God gives dreams. And when he gives you a dream, it is powerful, it is very personal, and also purposeful. It has a lot of purpose. And the most important question in terms of dreams is this dream from God. Is it from God? It's important to look at Scripture and make sure that this dream you have, it lines up with Scripture. To listen to the Holy Spirit and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And also you might want to check in with some mentors and share your dream. God gives dreams in our sleep and you see that throughout Scripture. And God also imparts dreams into our soul, into our mind, and into our hearts. There are many different types of dreams. Some dreams are more relational and tie in to the people in our lives. Some dreams are more achievement-oriented and goals. Uh, Some dreams are massive, and some dreams are very specific and detailed. And there's some dreams that we really run after, and there's other dreams we get kind of fearful, and we shrink back, even though God's given us a dream. So let me ask you, what are some of the dreams and some of the experiences you've had this year during 2020? Do you have any crushed dreams? During this year? And then what about next year? What do you look forward to in 2021? What are some of the dreams that you're carrying as you're trusting God and moving forward? Uh, Tonight, we're gonna lock into what do we do when the dream gets crushed, and to remember that God will walk with us through crushed dreams, and He is the lifter of our heads. In Genesis chapter 37, we have one dreamer, two dreams and three challenges. We're gonna look at one dreamer. Uh, This is Joseph. Two dreams he has and three challenges that come with the dream. First, the dreamer, starting in verse one in Genesis 37. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah, and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph and Jacob, Jacob's also called Israel, Jacob's the dad, Joseph's the son. Joseph's 17 years old and he has a dream. Doesn't it fire you up when the next generation has a dream? When kids have a dream at a young age and in serving the Lord and glorifying the Lord, when students have a dream, we should be cheering them on. We should be encouraging the next generation and the dreams that God gives them. And Joseph is uh, someone with a lot of character. He has integrity, he has honesty, and he brings accountability. He's going to give a report to his father. And any time you shine the light on some darkness, there's going to be some pushback. There's a price to pay. You might have noticed this. So it's your neighborhood, your job. When you walk in integrity and you walk in honesty and you're yes to accountability, there's some people who aren't going to like that. And there's tension in the relationship already between Joseph and his brothers. Another reason there's tension is because dad has a favorite. Favoritism can be a fatal flaw in families. That's a note to parents right there. You don't wanna have any favoritism. It doesn't mean that your relationship with each child is gonna look exactly the same, it's not. These are different relationships, different people. But what we have to stay out of is this child I think is the best, this child is the worst. This child's my favorite, this child's my least favorite. You don't think kids pick up on that? You don't think kids are sensitive to that? Do you know what that does among siblings when you have a least or a best and you bring that? Uh, That's a mistake that was made here. And Joseph's the recipient of favorite Sometimes we joke around, uh, my sisters will say, I'm the favorite. We're kind of playful because we really know there's no favorite in our family, but we kind of have fun with it. It's not fun if there really is a favorite and there really was a favorite in this family. It was not subtle. Dad gave Joseph a robe. This is a robe that was longer than other robes, right? The other robes, okay, maybe it's here at the elbow. This robe goes all the way to the hand. Some robes, typical robe, are going to go to the knees. This robe goes all the way to the feet. This is a royal robe. Some robes are kind of bland. This is a colorful robe, and it's a robe that says honor. It's a robe that says favorite. What do you think that did in the hearts of the siblings? The brothers, envy, hatred, it started to grow. Uh, Joseph's a dreamer, he's going to receive a dream from the Lord. And right away, I want to let you know that not everyone appreciates a dreamer. Not everyone's going to appreciate a dreamer. Why? Because a dreamer not only sees things as they are, a dreamer sees things as they can be. A dreamer sees things as they will be. And there's a lot of people who don't want to hear a dream or run with a dream and they just want the status quo and there'll be tension between the dreamer who's heard from God and is moving forward with God and the other people that aren't on board with God's dream. We see that played out here and I want to encourage you with the dreams God gives you, it's going to be worth it. It doesn't matter what the cost is, run with God's dream. And Joseph is going to run with God's dream, Uh, Let's take a look at the dreams. There's two dreams, and the first one starts in verse 5. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine, and they bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he said. Uh, Dreams are one of the ways that God communicates and why does god give dreams sometimes he reveals in dreams and sometimes he confirms in dreams here god is revealing some future realities and he reveals them to joseph and this is an agricultural dream his sheaf is is rising higher than the others And this is going to play out in the future because God is going to give Joseph a position and it's going to be an agricultural provision. And then Joseph's going to be in a position to provide for his family and even save their lives. Spoiler alert. But yes, there's truth to this dream. It's agricultural. It's foreshadowing. And it ties into later in life. But if you were friends with Joseph and he listened to you, don't you think you might pull him aside don't you think you might just ask him a couple questions? Uh, Because uh, you might want to ask Joseph, did you need to tell your brothers? Did you really need to tell them? How's that working out for you, Joseph? Is there any upside to telling your brothers? Uh, You're making it more difficult than it ever needs to be. And sometimes in life, When we talk too much and say the wrong things, we make life more difficult than it really needs to be. And the questions with dreams are, first of all, is it from God? Yes, this is a dream from God. And then second, who do you tell the dream to? When God gives you the dream, who do you tell? And I think Joseph here contributes to the troubles in the family because he doesn't really need to tell them that they're going to bow down to him. Uh, it looks a little boastful. He's not giving glory to God and he doesn't appear to have a lot of tact and awareness of how the other people are feeling. Some people will just talk without a lot of awareness of how that affects the other people that are listening. And hatred and envy are growing through this first dream and, and what he's revealing. And uh, overall, it's going to lead to more uh, troubles in the family. It doesn't need to be this difficult. So the tongue, tame the tongue, Pray prayerful words. Joseph, he's just going to put it out there. Okay, dream number two, and drop down to verse nine, still in chapter 37 in Genesis. Second dream. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Uh, There is a destiny God is confirming. And uh, there's kind of excitement in Joseph's heart. Because he sees that God is going to provide in some amazing ways. The second dream is celestial, not agricultural. And here we have the sun, moon, and 11 stars bowing down. You picture the brothers bowing down. Again, there's consistency to the dream. And there's consistency to what Joseph does with the dream. Uh, Joseph, did you learn anything the first time? did you learn anything? Because he just went right back to the same pattern in the family and it's hurting the relationships. He tells dad, dad rebukes him. He tells his brothers, more hatred, more envy. And again, it doesn't need to play out this way. It doesn't have to. In the Bible, there's a guy named Nehemiah who has a dream. And Nehemiah is very careful in terms of when he tells the dream and who he's going to share the dream with. There's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of tact. There's a lot of discernment in the relationships around him. But notice here also that Jacob, Israel, his name was Jacob. God transformed his life to Israel. Israel, even though he rebuked his son, he pondered these things in his heart. And if you read the Bible, uh, you might think of Mary, the mother of Jesus, who when the shepherds came and declared that the Messiah is here, she pondered these things in her heart. And when Jesus wasn't with them, but stayed in the temple, and they confronted and asked Jesus, and he said, I had to be in my father's house. And again, she pondered these things in her heart. You know what's really good is to spend time in God's word and ponder these things in your heart. To go deep with the Lord, his truth, who he is, what he's revealed, and treasure these things in your heart. And that's the posture. Even though Jacob rebukes, he's also, he's meditating and he's thinking about what God has revealed. We need to meditate and think on God's word during troubling times. Meditate on God's word. Memorize God's word. Think about God's word. Be filled. Let God's word dwell in you richly. It'll bear much fruit. And also be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a prophet, Joel, in chapter 2. Joel gives a vision, and uh, he's looking forward, the day of the Lord, and afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I don't know if I'm going to be dreaming dreams or seeing visions. I think I put myself uh, not in the old men category yet. Okay, Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. We want to be in God's word. We want to be full of the Holy Spirit. And there's a sense of wonder there. God has selected Joseph. God wants to fill his people with the Holy Spirit. God wants to direct his people, carrying the dream, full of the Holy Spirit, mind on the word of God, where we live, work, learn, or play. We're glorifying Jesus. We're on mission together full of the Holy Spirit that's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that God wants to bring to his people not just in one building but he wants all of us to be filled with the Holy Spirit all over the sound and that's the vision and we say yes that's a revelation from God a calling on our lives a calling on our church and we want to be led by the Holy Spirit we want to say yes to the dreams that God gives us but here's a couple realities. As I reflected on the dreams and scripture that God gives, and I reflected my own life in the vision and dreams that God gives, often I uh, hear some truth about these dreams. They're more dangerous than they are safe. They're more unfamiliar than they are the usual. They're more uncomfortable than they are easy. They're more unpopular than they are unanimous, and they're more influential then they are painless. I wanna say that again because the best dreams come from God and he gives them to us. But there's some realities and they're often more dangerous than safe, more unfamiliar than the usual, more uncomfortable than easy, more unpopular than unanimous, and more influential than painless. And this is why many people don't run with the dreams that God gives. Because there's challenges with the dreams that God gives. And that's what Joseph's going to experience. And I think we can relate to these three challenges that come. Dreams often come with challenges, even the best dreams. And the first challenge is a crushing. There is a crushing. And take a look at verse 18. But they saw him in a distance. The brothers see Joseph as he comes. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of the cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. You just kind of insert that ha, 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 ha. You know, all that resentment, envy, and hatred right there in that statement. And then in verse 26, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. We have a tragedy. We have a family tragedy. We have a crushing. Imagine how painful that would be to be treated by your siblings in this way. It's probably a lot of people in this room who have been on the receiving end of what siblings have dished out. Joseph comes very kind, very caring. He's honoring dad who says, go check on the brothers, look after your brothers. He travels 50 miles to get to his brothers. And then he travels another 15 miles after that. They're in Dothan. And so he's going to continue on that journey to check on their well-being. Have you ever brought love to someone and they just dished out hate? You know what that feels like when you're coming to care for someone and then they turn, they stab you in the back? Well, first of all, their plan was to kill him. And then Reuben steps in. Reuben's the oldest. He's the firstborn. And sometimes firstborns have a sense of responsibility. And Reuben, it just didn't quite sit right with the firstborn that we're going to kill our brother. So Reuben speaks up and says, let's throw him in the cistern. Now Reuben might have been thinking, okay, let's come back and get him later. I don't know. Reuben didn't have full courage. Reuben didn't say, this is wrong. He just kind of lessened it a little bit. And then Judah is going to step in and say, you know what? Instead of the cistern, we'll probably die unless someone helps him. Let's instead put him into slavery. And there's a ray of hope. I mean, that is an upgrade to go from killed cistern to slavery. So there's a little grace in that. But overall, what's happening? His own siblings are undervaluing him. They're blinded by envy and hatred, and they undervalue him. 20 shekels, that's eight ounces of silver. You know what happens when we undervalue people? When we undervalue seniors, elderly They end up very lonely and neglected. But when we value seniors and the elderly, there is community and there's closeness and there's love. When we undervalue the little ones, there's a lot of abortion in our land. But when we value the little ones, there'll be a lot of adoption in our land. Uh, When we undervalue people from a different culture or country, it ends up in racism and hostility. But when we truly value people, then we have unity together. How valuable is every person? 20 ounces of silver? Uh, This is how valuable every person is? The blood of Jesus. That's how valuable every person is that God would die for everyone, that everyone's made in God's image. And part of this relationship series is starting to see people how God sees people and start to have relationships that honor and glorify the Lord. And God wants us to value people because nothing you own, none of your stuff, even if you have the best kitchen, the best bathroom, the best house, the best car, and the best neighborhood, none of it comes close to the value of a person. None of it. We need to remember this in a materialistic, prosperous culture that nothing comes close to the value of a person and that's every person. And what happened here? The brothers have what I call rationalized rage. There's a rationalization of the rage that they bring. uh, They've lost perspective and uh, instead, uh, in losing that perspective, they had feelings of envy They had feelings of hatred. Now they've chosen to act on their feelings. We might have strong feelings, but we still make decisions about how we're going to act. And the question we need to keep asking ourselves, is this right? Is it good? Is it from the Lord? That's before a social media post. That's before a comment. That's before when we're feeling envious or we want to get some revenge, we have to say, is this right? And go to the Lord. The brothers are not going to go to the Lord. And as a result, they're going to punish Joseph. Notice, If you don't like the dream, kill the dreamer. If you don't like the dream, get rid of the dreamer. If you can't get rid of the dream, get rid of the dreamer. If you can't get rid of the dreamer, right? uh, What are you gonna do? They don't like the dream, so they wanna cancel the dreamer. There's a lot of canceling going on right here, and they've rationalized rage, moving into cancel mode, And they say, here comes the dreamer. They're saying it sarcastically, here comes the dreamer. That word means dream master, dream expert, right? (laughs) Little brother, uh, yeah, Mr. Dream Expert. And Joseph's suffering. You can't miss it in these verses, how much he's suffering. And maybe you suffered in similar ways and you feel for him. Suffering tests character. Suffering reveals character. Suffering amplifies character. You have character. Suffering comes in waves. Character is revealed, amplified, it's made known. Joseph's character is going to stand this test. His character is strong. He's trusting God. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul speaks about our condition. And he says, Treasures in jars of clay. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. That's the fragility of our bodies and our lives, and yet this treasure, God's presence in us, God's power in us to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Our dreams might be crushed or feel like they're crushed. We're not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. In many ways, Joseph's suffering is going to parallel some of the suffering of Jesus, but Joseph is also going to be an instrument and he's going to bring life to those, even those who've mistreated him. Jesus bled and died for the people who mistreated him. And we are needing God's power and his presence and help every day in major, major ways. But we're not in despair. We're not crushed. And uh, we're going to move forward and trust the Lord. What do you do in times when the dream feels dismantled, your dream feels defeated, your dream feels destroyed, and it feels crushed? You think about 2020 and the challenges we've faced this year and uh, different challenges for different people. But I wrote down covid Obviously, some have lost loved ones, finances, jobs, reopening process. There's been politics, government topics, race, schools, uh, waves of challenges. A lot of people right now feel frustrated, exhausted, and divided. You say, Where's our peace? Where's the real hope? And same for Joseph, same for us. Here it is God is still here, God is still faithful. God is still gracious. Will you say that out loud with me? God is still here. God is still faithful. God is still gracious. And God does great work in the darkest times. He's still here. He's still faithful. He's still gracious. He's still on the throne. And because of that, we can endure. We can endure. And endurance comes from the Lord. It's the power of God to persevere and endure. But enduring is not the only thing we're doing. We're also going to rise up. We're not just going to make it through this. We're not going to give up. We're going to rise up. We're going to rise up. And what you see in Joseph's life, God helps him endure and rise up. Jesus endures and he rises up. In the early church, they endure and they rise up. And I believe that the church today will endure and we will rise up in this community and in this nation and with a voice and with love and with the gospel and we will go forward in Jesus' name. Even when it feels like things are crushed, no, that, that, that's just, um, God is still here. God is still faithful. God is still gracious on his throne. He will help us endure and we will rise up together. Rise up together. The first challenge was a crushing. The second challenge is a twisting. Take a look at verse 31. This is a little different challenge. In verse 31, now the brothers go back to dad. They got Joseph's robe. They slaughtered a goat and they dipped the robe in the blood. (laughs) Finally got the robe, dipped it in the blood, They took the ornamented robe back to their father. Mmm, just mean. Uh, And they said, uh, that's not in the Bible. I just added the mean thing. Uh, We found this. Hey, Dad, we found this. Examine it to see whether it's your son's robe. Deception. He recognized it and said, It is my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in mourning will I go down to the grave to my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Here's the twisting. Has anyone ever said something about you that's not true? Has anyone ever put a spin on something about your motives or your actions or something you communicated and it's not true? That's what the brothers are going to do. Right here, there's a twisting. Jacob, whose name was Israel. Jacob, his name meant deception. And now what's happening? He's deceived so many people and now Jacob's deceived. Interesting. Goat, last week, we talked about how Jacob uh, deceived his dad, Isaac, by taking goat hair, because his brother was hairy, and saying, look, I'm Esau. Go ahead, feel the hair, bless me. And he stole the blessing. Had to do with goat. Uh, Now we've got goat's blood, and now... What's happening? Jacob is the recipient of the deception and he's believing the story and what he did in terms of deception, now the next generation is doing in terms of deception. And oh, by the way, the Ishmaelites, how did they come into existence? That was when Abraham deceptively slept with Hagar instead of his wife Sarah and Ishmael was born and we have deception and we have deception and now we've got a consequence. Uh, God will not be mocked, and sometimes the consequences are delayed. But here, he's going to be deceived by his sons, and he's buying into it. And as this happens, um, wouldn't it be great, instead of the lies and the twists and the deception, if the sons just said, this is what we did, and we repent? Just think of the healing that would come if they owned their stuff, confessed, and repented. Do you ever stop and think about the healing that would come in America if we just owned our sin, confessed, repented, apologized, got it right in our relationships? Do you know how much healing would come in? But the brothers don't want to do it, and there's a lot of people who don't want to take the path of humility. Instead, they deceive. And dad buys in. Jacob is now worrying and mourning over what didn't happen. His son is not dead, but he's worrying and mourning. It's a reminder, get the facts before you react. Do a fact check. When you see something on social media, when you see something on the internet, do a fact check before you react. When somebody says something to you, and you just jump into assumptions like he's doing here, get the facts before you react. Assumptions are dangerous. Rumors are dangerous. Now he's got this whole emotional buildup over something that, well, it didn't even happen. But here's a ray of hope. In terms of the twisting, at the very end, We read about Joseph, he's in prison. Think about the twisting, the chains that are around him as he's transported prisoners would be like cargo. So he's got chains around him. Those chains are twisting, his brothers are twisting. And as he goes down, here's the ray of hope. Where does he land? Where does he land? He's in Potiphar's house, the captain of the guard. Out of all the assignments, again, God's grace. Don't miss God's grace in the middle of the suffering. God positions him in Potiphar's house with a solid positioning. It looks like just a great spot of provision. And when there's twisting going on, you just have to remember the story is not over yet. The story is not over yet. This is not the end of the story. When people twist things against you, keep moving forward with the Lord. The last challenge is a slamming. And this takes place in Genesis 39, where now Joseph is serving in Potiphar's house. And you know what happens? Potiphar's wife, she's got the hots for Joseph. And she's trying to lead him on. And he's saying, no, no, no. Man of God, tempted integrity limits, how could I sin against God with this impurity? Man of God committed, how could I sin against God with impurity, I won't, I'm gonna honor the Lord. And she gets frustrated, she doesn't like being denied. So this is what she does, she takes the garment, again, we're coming back to a robe, takes the garment, holds it up, says to her husband, this one right here, he tried to make sport of me, she tried to frame him, and he was thrown in, husband believed his wife, Thrown in, innocent and in prison. Do you know how awful that would feel? Innocent and in prison, thrown into prison. Now uh, look at verse 19. I'm going to read verses 19 and 20. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Slammed. I think he was slammed into the culture in Egypt because, you know, this is like country mouse gonna become city mouse. I mean, he's gonna come into sophistication, a new language, pyramids, but you know what? He's gonna come into countless idols. He's going to step into a culture that has rejected God and I think that culture is going to slam him. Sometimes when people grow up in the Bible Belt and it's their first time to Seattle and they come up here, they just feel like they got slammed spiritually. Like, what just happened? Uh, He's going to enter into a culture and feel slammed where there's idols all around. And then also, uh, when you think about this slamming, he's literally going to be in jail. Jails that time were grim. People were guilty until proven innocent. You don't know what a blessing it is. Like when everything's working right in our system and people are innocent until proven guilty, compare that to guilty until proven innocent. And many prisoners were never given a trial. They just died in jail. At this point, dreams are crushed. uh, Dreams are twisted. Dreams are slammed. And at this point, it's not looking that great. There's going to be points in your journey where it's just not looking that great. happened to the Apostle Paul. You know what? Um, he was traveling around on fire for the Lord and he had an illness. Things weren't looking that great. But you know what? Now he wrote the letter to the Galatians and he did ministry in Galatia and it was incredibly powerful. Things weren't looking that great when Paul was thrown into prison and he was innocent. But you know what happened? The whole prison guard started to hear about Jesus. Things were not looking that great when he saw certain places and ministries that he wanted to step into and God said, no, it's not for you. But then in Acts chapter 16, a ray of hope. Everywhere in this journey, there's a ray of hope that God keeps giving us grace. Let's take a look at Acts chapter 16 together. Uh, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel If you like, there's a lot of slam doors and a lot of mistreatment and a lot of disappointment. Just remember Joseph. Remember the Apostle Paul. Remember Jesus. And continue to trust God with the carrying out of the dream. And this is how um, we're going to end it at uh, verse 21. The Lord was with him. This is in prison now. Verse 21 in chapter 39. The Lord was with him. He showed Joseph kindness, granted him favor in the eyes of the prison ward. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done in the prison. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Dreams appear to have detours and Joseph is foreshadowing of Jesus. He was faithful and obedient and he suffered because of his faithfulness. And then also, God is going to raise him up and he's going to become an instrument of salvation to a nation. God is going to take someone who's in prison and he is going to have him lead a nation and put him in a position where there's provision. There's going to be an incredible turnaround. We're going to end on that next week. But what you can't miss this week, four times, God was with him. So, where is God in the middle of our crushed dreams? Where is he? Did he stop caring? Did he fall asleep? God is still with us. And God is still faithful. And God is still on the throne. And God will be glorified. And God will guide me through this crushed dream or this dream that feels crushed. He will guide us through the suffering, the twisting, the mourning. God will continue to guide us and be faithful here. Be faithful to God. Is the dream from God? Who do you tell it to? Are you faithful with the dreams, the visions, the assignments that God has given to you? Our God is greater than crushed dreams. God develops influencers. This will be next week. God develops influencers in the context of crushed dreams. God develops influencers like Joseph and the Apostle Paul and you in the context of crushed dreams. So we're going to continue to trust God knowing he's here. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up right now and we're going to have a time of of guided prayer. As I was preparing this message, rather than I pray at the end of a message like often happens, I thought how much better that we have a time together where we pray. And there's one verse that's going to be on the screen. It's Psalm 62, verse 8. And uh, let's all say this out loud together. Trust in him at all times, you people, Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. And if you're comfortable closing your eyes, you can close your eyes. Uh, the Bible doesn't say you have to close your eyes when you pray or you have to bow your head. or There's so many options. You can sit down. You can stand up. You can lift up your arms. You can um, humble yourself. Uh, whatever position helps you connect with God. Meeting with God is the most important thing in prayer. Meeting with God is the most important thing with Scripture. We want to meet with God. And there's going to be just three parts uh, right now. Just simple prayers that you can say to God silently, Uh, First of all, prayers of thanksgiving. Prayers of thanksgiving. What do you want to thank God for? This verse here says God is our refuge. Maybe you want to thank God for who he is. You thank him for who he is. He is our refuge. Maybe you want to thank God for some of the blessings in your life. Some of the gifts, the skills, the opportunities, the people. In your life, what do you want to thank God for tonight? You go ahead and thank him. We want to do more than just talk about being thankful or talk about thanksgiving. Give God thanks. Give God thanks. Maybe 10 things right now. What would you thank God for? 10 things. Say it. Say it to him. Give him thanks. Fill up your spirit with thanksgiving. God is worthy. He's been kind. He's been gracious. Give him thanks. Give him thanks. And the second part of this prayer is to pour out your heart to God. That's what God tells us to do. Pour out your heart to Him. Don't stuff it. Pour out your heart to Him. What dreams have been crushed? Pour out your heart to Him. It's okay to talk about the pain with God, it's okay to cry at church, it's okay to let Him in. What's keeping you up at night? What are you grieving? How alone do you feel? How hopeless? How tired? How frustrated? How mistreated? How divided? You pour out that hurt to God. You let him carry it. You just start to give it to him and give it to him. He's strong. He can take the hurt. He carries our burdens. You just do that now. You just keep pouring out. The pain, the burdens, the hurt, you just pour it out to the Lord. It's safe here. God already knows. He cares. He sees. He doesn't want you to carry it alone. He doesn't want you to just pretend like everything's great and spiritual talk on top of it. Just a little fake smile on top of it. Just go deep, be real with God. Pour out your heart to the Lord. He's honored when you pour out your heart. He's honored. A parent is honored when a kid pours out their heart. That's what every parent wants. And so we pour out our hearts to God. We pour out our hearts. And then this verse says to trust him. And trusting him is something you declare: God, I will trust you. In the middle of this situation, in the middle of the uncertainty, in the middle of the disappointment, in the middle of some of the scary feelings I have, in the middle of the dreams, in the middle of the potential, in the middle of the momentum, in the middle of the provision, God through it all, through it all, I will trust You. I will trust You. I will thank You. I will pour out my heart to You. I will trust You. I will thank You. I will pour out my heart to You. I will trust You. Let's have a healthy relationship with God. Let's have a full relationship with God. This song, it is well with my soul. People proclaim this, not just to sing a song, but because we're thanking and praising God for who he is, our refuge. We're pouring out our heart to God because we need him, treasures and jars of clay. And we are deciding to trust the Lord this year, this day, this situation, our lives, the dreams, the visions, the assignments, the mission, we trust him. We will live for him together. Live for him together. Yo, subscribe to YouTube channel. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to this channel.